Irish Illustrated Insider, Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. And as always, Pete Sampson from The Athletic joins us. And we met with Rob Hunt, Notre Dame's head trainer, head football trainer, uh, ahead of Brian Kelly here on Thursday. And a lot of positive news coming out of Notre Dame. Brian Kelly feels that they have enough healthy players to move forward in preparation for Florida State. The numbers are decreasing. I'll let you guys get into some of the specifics of the numbers, uh, but things are looking up. And Notre Dame started conditioning on Monday, and by and large, um, the, the majority of this team will be on the field on Sunday when they conduct a, um, a semi-scrimmage. It, it won't be full go less than a week before the next game. I thought, you know, statistics are overwhelmingly positive. You went from 39 in quarantine and isolation uh, over the Wake Forest weekend to 29 today, uh, according to Rob Hunt. And then within two days, you'll be at 15 uh, players held out uh, in either quarantine or isolation protocols. So that's, that's good. And then when you marry that to zero new positive tests on Monday, zero new positive tests on Wednesday, certainly feels like Notre Dame has, you know, pulled the plug or short-circuited the outbreak that uh, was running through the team just two weeks ago. And Brian Kelly answered a question in this regard and zero positive tests after the Notre Dame game from South Florida, which is something that people should be very happy about because that, that allows college football to happen. If Notre Dame had, Notre Dame had some people they did not know were positive out there on the field and nobody from South Florida tested positive after playing Notre Dame a team that couldn't play the next week, which means I thought Kelly used a, a phrase where he was saying, look, if South Florida came away from that game and five guys, we traced them back to our players and they were positive, it would be untenable playing college football. But now it's, he says it allows them to look inward and they look inward to zero and zero, as Pete mentioned. That's zero, zero and Friday, they need another zero. And then I think everything's uh, back on track for another day. Yeah, uh, untenable being the key word there. Of course, he said untenable if we had to worry about every game. Right. And of course, right. they'll continue to to monitor those situations. But uh, yeah, r- real positive. And and uh, you know, there was talk. Rob Hunt talked about zero tolerance moving forward with the players. I mean, zero tolerance with mask usage. And now, as they look back, not only coming out of the 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 well known pregame meal now before South Florida, but I think think some things that. Uh, occurred the previous week pregame meal before Duke and maybe there was some um, you know some negative tests there and that's an interesting thing too about the way he talks about negative tests that doesn't mean that you are 100% COVID free you could be trending in that direction but sometimes it just doesn't show up on the test. Yeah it's I mean the antigen tests that they do that shows if you're contagious. And then they follow up with a PCR test, which determines like how much viral load you actually have. And they sort of set their parameters of what, how much viral load is too much viral load. But if you're below that threshold, you could get a negative test, but also have a little bit of, uh, you know, the virus in your system, you know, maybe you're shedding it. So at, um, you know, the false sense of security, I thought was interesting. I mean, overall, I just thought it was, it was as plain spoken as you could get from a head trainer, a head football coach about a very complicated situation. I think everyone comes out much more educated about Notre Dame's protocols, what's working, what needs to change, what player behaviors need to change. I, I was incredibly beneficial, um, not just for the media, but just for the public at large to hear from uh, both Rob Hunt and Brian Kelly today. 
and Pete, you mentioned what behaviors have to change. I thought it was refreshing that Rob Hunt said, we have been able to trace a lot of this to our carelessness at this meal, the situation. Mm-hmm. But of course, he admits that's not all of it. That's, we don't, you don't always know where it comes from. And that's why he said zero tolerance, masks, changing their policy, not changing their name's policies, adhering to the policies, the players. And you can adhere to policies and 50 of you can and three of you don't. And that's the problem. They, they, that's why the zero tolerance has to come into play when a few people don't. You can infect an offensive or a defensive line or a quarterback room. And those are the things that can't be affected. Brian Kelly mentioning, look, Pete, you asked the question, 39 positives, you couldn't play, seven, you could. What's the, there is no number, obviously, that you're going to get, but where's the scale? Where's the sliding scale? And I thought when Kelly said, look, if we're out there, we have four healthy defensive linemen that have to play 85 snaps. We can't play football because those four guys, we'd be putting their li- their health in jeopardy, nothing to do with COVID. Yeah, I thought that was sort of an interesting way to look at it because, you know, we all, we all want a number, right? And, right. you know, it's one team's 20 players in Q&I is not the same as another. And so it's, you know, if you, if you lost all of your offensive – if you lost 10 offensive linemen, but that was it, that could cancel a game. I mean, I could see a scenario if, if we went through the roster and scr- scratched out 30 players – that you could still find a way for Notre Dame to play where so in that instance, 10 is worse than 30, um, you know, and then also sort of, do you have a handle on the outbreak or not? As of last week, the answer was, we don't know how, you know, they were still sort of digging to the bottom of contact tracing at that point, once they got there and were able to get sort of these, these negative tests ramped up where now you had zero and a zero on a Monday and a Wednesday. Um, I thought that was probably a good way to look at it from, from Brian Kelly's perspective. And we said a week ago today during our podcast, we said we expect these numbers to improve dramatically with each passing day. And that's exactly what has happened. Just to recap what's happened this week, there was a conditioning on Monday, strength training on Tuesday, a voluntary conditioning on Wednesday in which everybody that was allowed to participate did participate. And then there'll be Thursday and Friday practices, a Saturday is that like a conditioning? I'm trying to remember what he said, a conditioning type workout. Followed by a giant picnic indoors and then there'll be, no, I'm just yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then uh, it's some level of, of scrimmage on Sunday. And then, you know, then you're, then you're into the week. So things are definitely progressing better. I mentioned this in our instant analysis, Brian Kelly said, we'll see if this was a setback or a pause. And things certainly at this point look like pause. They don't, but they don't fall. They've been, <laughs> these guys condition and strength train hard. It doesn't all go away within four or five days. And I'm sure individually the guys were doing things on their own when they closed the facility um, on Tuesday of last week. We should discuss though, because it was um, pointed out that isolation, how much different isolation is than quarantine. If you're in isolation, so if you're one of the positive tests, you do not work out at all for those 10 days then you have to come out symptom free and take tests for an 11th day. And you are ramped up slowly with 20 minutes of cardio day 12, 13, 14 is when you finally get to being able to practice at hundred percent. But that is without 10 days of any activity whatsoever. Whereas in quarantine, yours, you know, your ingenuity allows you to work out as much as you want in quarantine. So it is a much different situation coming out of isolation and quarantine. 
All right, moving moving past the COVID talk with uh, with so many positives, uh, an, another positive for for Notre good Dame. Good things. You mean good things when you say positive? Good yeah. Th- yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. Good things. Negatives uh, can be positive too. Sometimes we found out in twenty twenty. Stanza. Positive. Yeah. Positives or negatives. Yeah. Uh, now this is with relation to the revolving door at the wide receiver position, and uh, Ben Skoranek, as we expected, would is back from. Um, the hamstring injury, but positive news on Kevin Austin. He's in a run, running program. Uh, and to, to summarize it all up, Brian Kelly said that he expects him to be ready to go for the Florida State game. That is also true of Kyle Hamilton and Ben Skronik. Um, I don't think any of us expect Kevin Austin to participate in the Florida State game as if, you know, he, as if it was a season opener and he hadn't had any setbacks. Uh, but but it, at least it gets him on the field with Skoranek, and now you're dealing with um, a receiving core that's a little bit more considerably more substantial than the one that you had in the first two games. Yeah, at least you have you have some mix and match options now, much more so with Skoranek than Austin. Like I, when Notre Dame's up forty to three in the fourth quarter, that's when I expect Kevin Austin to play against Florida State. Um, and that's a positive step, though, Pete. Don't you yeah, think? I mean, that's, yeah, that's. Yeah, I think we've sort of been going back and forth between whether he would be available at all or we'd have to wait till Louisville. Um, you know, as of a couple of weeks ago, I thought we were going to have to wait till Louisville. So that's, you know, if you can get been, some, some work, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. We may have been deceived a little bit on the timetable there, although that I think, when did Brian Kelly comment on that? It, it has been a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, when a guy's coming back from any kind of injury, a broken fifth metatarsal, you just can't you know, four weeks in advance, you just can't say, oh, okay, he's going to play. You don't really know uh, until shortly before the time has come that it, that that he's uh, had the proper conditioning, the proper healing, and he's ready to go. So um, anyway, you look at it, that's positive news. Modified <laughs> practice schedules, that's what we like. Modified practice schedule for Kevin Austin, then he gets into a regular one. Look, we, I, we mentioned this briefly in instant analysis. Pittsburgh's the game. Kevin Austin needs to be 100% rolling. Going to have to make some plays in that game against their defense. Notre Dame can beat Florida State without anyone on the football team. Take any name. Pick a name. They can beat. They'll still. They can still find a way to beat Florida State. You're going to need him. You're going to need Kevin Austin going into these games where they're all of a sudden you can find guys that will just sit on Notre Dame's current receivers. I don't know that I would want to go into Florida State without your starting quarterback. But your point is you're. Your point is 17 to nine. No problem. You can <laughs> just <laughs> <end up again. laughs> Florida state is, has just been, uh, I mean, they've been ridiculous. They it's, it's egregious it, how bad they are compared to their talent level. It is horrible. It's ridiculous. You I mean, they've got, they've got, they've got Mar- they have Marvin Wilson and Asante Samuel on their, their defense. I mean, these, yeah. these are elite, elite defensive players. And they can't stop anybody. No. I guess they only gave up 16 to, to Georgia Tech, but um, I, I, it's probably more ridiculous on the offensive side of the ball where they've scored, you know, they've been outscored like 69 to 13 uh, since they took a 10 nothing lead on Georgia Tech. They've scored one one touchdown in the last seven quarters. I mean, are you practicing? What are, what are you guys? <laughs> what are you guys doing? I, I, I it, it's just it's a program, and I know. We're getting into uh, Florida State a little early here, but I mean, it's a program that shows so little pride in the tradition 
and, and the greatness of Florida State that, I, I mean, my God, you got to be kidding me. That's a big reboot down there. <laughs> a big, big reboot. Because, um, man, they're... they're yeah, I don't want to say... They're unwatchable. Yeah, yeah I, they are. Yeah, look, I don't want to say... That, what are you doing? That is your biggest game. That's, that is what the, your college... That's what everybody cares about down there is Miami and Florida. And you play like that with that attitude against Miami? They were down 38-3 at half. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I, I, don't, I don't get that. Look, I don't, I don't want to say any, any team, any program with the, the tradition right. and the talent level of Florida State, I'm not going to sit there and say there's no, no way Nordame can lose. But I, I'll say it. <laughs> okay, well, there's no way Nordame should lose. Let's put it that way. And everybody knows it, and Florida State knows it too. Um, but uh, until then – Things really positive for Notre Dame uh, moving forward. And the good thing is that in segment two, do we have it? I think we have one COVID question, and then we get to move on and talk about football. And hopefully it can be that way the rest of, of this season during our podcast. We'll be back for segment two, burning up the boards. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. Segment two, burning up the board, starting with a question from Terry Benedict. Who or what is more likely to beat Notre Dame, Clemson or COVID-19? What is the COVID point spread? Because Clemson's up to 10.5 from 7.5 when the season started, in case anybody's uh, keeping track of those things out there. If you want to jump on it, 10.5 is now the time to uh, – to get Notre Dame. What do you think about that? I don't know. It seems like why wouldn't it just spend ten and a half to start the year? I don't think Notre Dame looks any. Their offensive line looks great. But I don't think he overreacted to Ian Book in that way. Yeah, that 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 that, you know, that seems. If you've had this many people out, you're getting to the point where Clemson's the bigger threat than COVID. Yeah, I. I mean, I think that's. Probably Especially where... after the news today, I mean, yeah. you yeah. certainly feel differently about it. And the question was was submitted prior to our knowledge of of uh, Rob Hunt and Brian Kelly's revelations. Um, so I'd say Clemson. I'm excited to watch the Clemson Miami game in a week. You're gonna be, wait. Are you not going to be in the press box with us at uh, um, for Notre actually, Dame Florida State? We've done a flip. We've done a we did a switcheroo. Oh. I am Louisville, and Tim is Florida State. Okay. Yeah, right. So I will, uh, I'll let somebody else write about me. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be writing about the Notre Dame game, but I'll have that on in a uh, little, I'll have a little transistor radio listen to play-by-play. How's that? <laughs> You'll be like, where's Tom Pagan? <laughs> Jay Chalonic, with football being shut down last week, how much does this hurt Notre Dame against Clemson? Yes, it's a game more than a month away, but Clemson already has a more talented roster and coaching staff. Ouch. I... I mean, I don't disagree with the the talented <laughs> roster and coaches that part, but I don't think it hurts Notre Dame at all. Um, you know, if they were playing Clemson this uh, in the Florida State slot or even the Louisville slot, I would have a different answer. But he, as the question says, it's a month away, and I think that that ultimately makes yeah, the, that's, that's the, four, the two weeks that's off. Four games, are, four games removed. Yeah. There is a. Just a desire to talk about Clemson for the Notre Dame fan base that beats <laughs> anything I have ever seen in a football season for Notre Dame fans. I know. I mean, it's cool. It's it's great that it's there. They can actually get to the playoffs with a win there. My goodness. 
if the focus on Clemson's incredible. Don't you think? And do you think Clemson well, you're is you're focused on Notre Dame? You're not surprised. I mean, it's I'm not surprised. It. It's just like they're back, they're back playing football. Let's beat. Let's see if they can go through Louisville and Pitt, right? I mean, it's yeah. I, I give like I and we're in different we're in different positions because we have to work these. But I mean, I give I give Clemson, Notre Dame, Clemson so little thought right now. I mean, it's about it's about development over the next four or five weeks. Yeah, and I think Notre Dame, like Clemson, it would be shocking if Clemson loses before Notre Dame, and honestly, it'd be a little other than. Be a little bit disappointing from my point of view. I want to see number one Clemson come play Notre Dame, um, but it's not like this is two juggernauts head and shoulders above the rest of college football, and they're just on a collision course at the end of the year to decide who's number one to win the title. I mean, Notre Dame's got to get to Clemson undefeated. I mean, I feel like Notre Dame is more likely to be undefeated than Clemson. You feel like Notre Dame's more likely to be undefeated than Clemson going to that well, game because yeah, yeah, they play Miami, and that's yeah. the best team that either one of those two teams. Plays. Yeah, I, the I best just, team of all the teams is Clemson. I mean, Notre Dame can still Notre Dame can still lose one of the upcoming games. I know Louisville's look terrible. I've been very outspoken about their defensive coordinator. You know, they lost that game last week to Pittsburgh. The game winning, what ended up being the game winning score, was a guy that the Louisville defense thought was down, and they didn't. They chose not to rally around the football, and the guy stayed up and scored and scored. I I picked already to beat Pittsburgh early in the year. Tim picked Pittsburgh the upset. I am concerned with my choice i'm, I'm well, concerned i mean I'm concerned with ian book's one-dimensional offense of a running yeah, game and pittsburgh's right three and oh and and they're playing good you know they're they're playing better football more, yeah. more consistent football but they're still not scoring a whole lot and that against nordame's defense i mean it looks like a looks like it, would, it has great potential for being a low scoring game but any i mean i just can't look i'm not wired that way and i i was involved in coaching too much to just assume that the Florida State game's a walk. As bad as they've looked, I get it. I understand all that. But you still – it's football. You still have to put your team – your football team's going to play for the first time in three weeks. And then each with each game, you have to come out of this physically, you know, healthy uh, as opposed to COVID healthy in addition to that. And it's just – yeah, let's just go one step at a time and it'll, it'll be uh, – it'll, it'll be fun every step of the way if you just – let each game play out and enjoy it for what it's worth. Akaloos. What happens if both Miami and Notre Dame have one loss to Clemson? Who gets into the ACC championship? This is a, mean, this. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, P. This is a premature question again because Clemson and Miami are going to play uh, a week from this Saturday. But, P, you've got some perspective on this. Yeah, this is a question in my mailbag this week because I expected to be able to get to an answer on the, if Notre Dame and Miami are both 10 and one, I thought there would be a, a clear tiebreaker of like, Oh, you know, it's winning percentage against X, Y, Z, but because Notre Dame and Miami would be, it's, uh, you know, shared opponents would be the same, uh, both wins and losses. Uh, you know, they, they, I think they play five common opponents, but they both be five and one against them uh, with Clemson being a loss. The, there's no head-to-head matchup. That's the first one. Um, you get down into a, a proprietary formula that the ACC and there are other conferences that use this company too called Sports Source Analytics that determine that ranks teams. If and if that offers no resolution, then they they quite literally draw a name out of a hat um, in the ACC office and decide who gets to play Clemson. Now, if you get into a situation where it's ten and one Clemson and 
10 and one Miami and 10 and one North Carolina and 10 and one Notre Dame. I haven't gone through that one and figured it out. Um, but it's certainly, you know, the idea of one loss Notre Dame and one loss Miami, that that's pretty reasonable. Um, it's still a long way away, but yeah. the, the resolution of that for this is not nearly as tidy as what I thought it would be after getting into the ACC tiebreakers. I would bet heavily there's a two loss team out of those two, but yeah. you never know. You know, that's just the way these things do. We're, we're probably jumping the gun by Miami murdering Louisville and Florida state. Though they do have a quarterback, which is not something you can normally say at this point. So that's an issue. Speaking of quarterbacks, air pirate 73. I am sick of all the criticism of Ian book on this board. It's our board. Pete, he had a very bad first game and a much better game against South Florida, but still missed some wide open receivers and layups. I expect him to be better when we play Florida state. Even better as we get Kevin Austin and Ben Skronik back. What does Book have to do against Florida State for you to see marked improvement moving closer to how he played at the end of last year? Well, I I mean, I think these are all kind of obvious. He hit the open receivers, um, stay calm in the pocket, uh, distribute the football, uh, especially now that you have some weapons coming back to you. Um, keep emphasizing to your your offensive coordinator to, to, to stick with the ground game. <laughs> Although I think Tommy Reese will probably do that on his own. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's any great mystery. I'd start playing like you're a guy that started 25 games and, and sometimes he does, but I would say at least half the time, if not more, he hasn't done that. And that's just, um, you know, for a guy with 25 career starts, he just needs to be more consistent. You know, what's bizarre about this to me is like, I don't want to see him play like a guy with 25 starts. I want to see him, I want to see him play like a guy who was starting games one through five. Um, you know, <laughs> I, want, I don't want to see him play like the end of 2019. I want to see him play like the middle of 2018. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, in the end, the answer is sort of the same, much more accurate from five yards and in and behind the line of scrimmage. They didn't really throw any behind the line of scrimmage stuff against USF. And then it's just you know, a, a play like Boykin against Pittsburgh or Northwestern, um, you know, where you, you rip it and, and let it go. Like, I, I, we all need to see something like that because if, if you don't have that in your arsenal, then Notre Dame's offense is, is very limited. But, it's, I mean, I, I realize it's, you know, we haven't seen great Ian Book quarterback play in a little bit here, but I feel like there's a there's – a, there's a, another step for him to take because we saw him take it even if it was out of order against Wake Forest and Stanford two years ago. Like that quarterback is there. Um, he just sort of needs to figure out a way to bring that back out. Yeah. Pete kind of stealing my thunder of a weekend story here. I'm going through all of book starts and just trying to put him into, you know, a few categories instead of not rating him one through 25 or anything, but into a few categories and the top category, I'm, I'm not done with last year yet. In fact, I've gotten to Michigan. So that, that's not in the top category. Um, game, start one, start two, start five, and start six, and start eight are pretty much, or seven, are going to be in the top category. And I'm not sure I'm putting two more from last year in the top category. I mean, obviously, Boston College and Navy end up being very good games for, for Ian Book, but those would be the only ones, I think. And you're right. I want to see Ian Book against Stanford in 2018, his second career start. I, that was a number, I know there weren't, shouldn't have been the number seven team in the country, but they were the number seven team in the country. And they're as good, that team is as good as certainly Louisville, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and some teams like that. And that's how Ian Book has to play. 
Yeah, I I don't think it's a lack of to and to uh, respond to Pete's point. I don't think it's a a lack of physical skills. You know, a lot of times with the deep ball, one he won't let it go. That's that's what it is for me. Is he won't and, let it go. and and two when he does, he's questioning himself. Now, how do I know that? Like I don't know body language, the way he releases the football. You've seen him throw the football enough to know. With regard to the screen passes. Um, they would have thrown a bunch against Wake Forest had they played that game because Wake Forest <laughs> has been really vulnerable to screen passes. So maybe we won't see that till game uh, 11 in the middle of December. But, uh, yeah, I there isn't a great mystery with Ian Book's game. Just you have to be more accurate and you have to be more consistent. And the reason that I think I've always stuck with him is because I think that he has that in him, just like you said, Pete. Mike, Mike Rose, Rose 4310. Can you see a scenario where Ian Book returns for 2021 with Tyler Butner coming in? What would that mean for Drew Pine and Brendan Clark? I can't. I, I can't see Ian Book on the roster next year. And I, I'm not sure that he can see a scenario where he's on the roster next year either. Maybe that can change, but that's that's just where, where I'm sitting here on October 1st. Yeah, I don't know of many fifth-year guys that are going to come back for a sixth year rather than try their hand at their professional futures. Um, I don't see Book playing a, another year at Notre Dame. I I do feel that uh, when Pete mentioned last year, you know, Chip Long was around still, that, you know, Ian Book has a decision. It will be making a decision coming back to Notre Dame. I would have been surprised had he left because he had nowhere to go. I don't know if he has anywhere more to go now either, but I just feel like sometimes it's, you know, you've, you're, you've run your course someplace at a, yeah. at a stop. And I think he has probably run his course here. So what's, uh, what's more or less likely him for a six year or Sean Crawford for a seventh year. I don't think, I don't think either one, I, neither one of those guys are going to be on the, the roster next year. Can who is Crawford, this, like, the, I, mean, I guess the, Crawford, you could, right? I, yeah. Who, who's the most likely good player that should be out of eligibility that will be back next year? Can we can we look at it that way? Is it Hainsey? Is that the most likely guy that's a very I good don't, player? I don't year? think – I, I haven't. Now that I'm asked around a little bit, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. I'm just trying to uh, think Maybe McLeod, if McLeod's shoulder is such that it – Skoranek's hamstring. doesn't strength. get Skoranek, yeah. If they don't get a, a true opportunity to show what they're – their wares are in 2020, maybe. Uh, but what Ian Book is six here. I, I that I mean I, I would put that at <laughs> less than five percent. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think Jonathan that's Dorr. That's, that's a good, a good one. no, that's a good call. Yeah. That's a yeah. good call. And if we I mean if we could we were un, I'm unprepared to like go through each guy no, here of course. right now to do we're that. I'm just but, trying to think of uh, you know, I think I think Aaron Banks leaves after this year. Well, I do other, now too. With the other um, guys, I do. I do too now. I, I would not have said that a month and a half ago necessarily, but I, I I'm with you, and obviously a lot can change. You know, he he should play well against Duke and South yeah, he's Florida. He's playing good ball. Yeah, he's playing. He playing has played good ball. Yep. He's playing well. Yep. Irish from A two. Should Brian Kelly entertain the idea of a graduate transfer quarterback next year? Yes, one hundred percent. It's a good year to do it because everyone with a free year of eligibility suddenly can be a graduate transfer. Yeah, I, I mean, unless unless something were to happen to book physically now and Brendan Clark 
or, and or Drew Pine takes over and shows, hey, I'm ready to play this position at a high level. Um, it's, it's a little hard to make that determination two games into a season, but all things being equal in the in-book playing and everything staying the way we expect it to stay. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, is that unfair to, I mean, to get, but I don't know that we an, a, uh, answered Mike Rose's full question about what, what would that mean to Drew Pine and Brendan Clark? Of course, Ian Book coming back would be disastrous for Brendan Clark. <laughs> but yeah, if there's ever a year, this is a year. Uh, because you want, you don't want to, you certainly they like Tyler Butner uh, as far as just pure raw skill, but a true freshman coming in playing for Notre Dame behind what could be a, you know, a piecemeal offensive line. If you lose four guys, I, I, that's not ideal. I feel like they're going to, they're certainly going to entertain the idea of a, of a good one, a really good one. You're going to pursue that. Um, if you get down to the, trying to think of a, if you get down to a, guy that you're not sure could start a full season at Notre Dame, you might want to roll with your young players that you've recruited, especially since one of them is a four-line five-star. And you know, we, well, who we, do you have in mind when you say that? I was trying to think of some. I was trying to think of an ex-Notre Dame player at quarterback that you would bring uh, in and say, do you want to just go with him or do you want to go with Tyler Buckner? Well, it's like, I mean, why don't we just go through Notre Dame's quarterback grad transfers out? Like, would you bring in Dane Chris with two bad knees? Would you bring in Andrew Hendricks with his tape? Would you bring in Malik Sayer? Would you bring in Everett Golson? Yes. Probably, yeah. I yes. think that's probably the one where you'd be like, yeah, we would take him. That, that's a good point. That, that's the way looking at it. I, when Golson left, I thought he is going to go have a good career. He's going to go have a good year at Florida State. So without, without the benefit of hindsight, I would bring in Everett Golson to start at Notre Dame next year. By the way, James Blackman is having Everett Golson-like fumble tendencies so far this year for Florida State. Just without State. the upside. Yeah, yeah right. Yes. Without yes. the ability to throw the ball well. That's I, I, I would agree. Everett Golson could wing it. There's no doubt about that. MMB4, question on the interior defensive line. Do you feel that we have the players inside to compete with the big boys? I read things that indicate, or I read things that indicate there are people that question the overall size and power of our interior. Yeah, I, I mean, that was Mike Renner from – Pro Football Focus, which Tom Loy is uh, apparently going to speak with following each game, which is a which is a good get for us uh, because we can. Tim, you and I have to study the the big picture and everything, and 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 those guys can focus on one area. And I don't. I mean, you guys heard me a couple of years ago when I was complaining the Nordin was undefeated, and I was saying, man, they're still getting beaten up the middle running the football. That's not really happening now. I mean, Duke had thirty carries for. 70 yards, and if you, you, you subtract the 42-yard run by South Florida, the other uh, 32 carries were 2.0 per carry. The linebackers are, uh, you know, the, the, the linebacking core with uh, Kaiser in it, it's a group that has 24 tackles. They're getting clean looks at the running back. Um, I, I thought Heinish has made penetration. I didn't think uh, – Pete, you had said something about MTA after the Duke game, and I agreed with you. I don't think that he was as effective against USF, but I mean, I don't get the feeling. And then plus they have the depth. I don't get the feeling that they're getting uh, blown off the football, but I, I don't study them exclusively when I rewatch a game. I think that they're fine on the defensive interior. I mean, it's not, it's probably, it's as deep as defensive end was last year, but it's not nearly as talented. Um, I think they have enough guys that are going to help you beat everybody, but you know, maybe Clemson, um, or if you're running to Miami and Charlotte, but 
I, th- I think Kurt, Kurt Heinisch and Myron Tagovailoa Mosa, it's, it's a good tandem. And you would, you would assume, right, that somebody like Jacob Lacey, who hasn't played a ton of football, would be one of those players most likely to improve during the season. Um, so let's sort of see where he is in November versus where he is in October. Yeah, I, piggybacking that, Lacey was slowed in camp. So let's exactly, let's see where he is in October. Um, Jason Adamiola missed the South Florida game. Um, he's, he's the number two. So Howard Cross becomes the number two instead of the number three. I like, I like Howard Cross as a number three or a fifth guy. Absolutely. That's yeah, a, that's I, a big, I, strong kid. There. A heck of a, have a heck of a number three in there. Um, you know, the only thing I can think of, uh, the only example I can think of at all, honestly, is Chase Price's touchdown seemed a little too easy for running. I mean, Heinish and MTA got blocked, but guys get blocked sometimes too. That's just the way it goes, right? It yeah. was uh, and I right, for him, but I mean, it was right through their gaps, but it's, that's not an issue. I don't think. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know Mike Renner. Tom Loy does. Uh, I respect the person in that position and we'll take it at face value as, as we move forward. But again, this comes down to what do I see with my eyes? And I, I, I have not, I have not seen that in the first Well, it's two like games. if they were playing Georgia of last year, then yeah, I would probably be concerned, but they're not. You know, I, I just don't see an offensive lineman on, on line on the schedule that's really going to push Notre Dame's interior defensive line in a, in a serious way. Well, that was something I, I wrote about. I mean, other than, I mean, the two best offensive lines on paper that they'll face are Boston College and North Carolina, and that's not till November. Clemson is, Clemson's break, still breaking in four new starters on the offensive line. Um, they don't, Virginia Tech has a good offensive line. They don't play Virginia Tech. Um, you know, Miami's Miami. So yeah, I would agree. I, 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 am not sure that it has to be Jerry, a Jerry Tillery led interior defensive line in order to be successful, uh, at least until you get to when the games really, really count wash ND since the Florida state game appears to be a go. Do you expect a more uneven performance like the Duke game because of the time off, or do you expect Norton to build off South Florida or is Florida state just so bad that it will be a beat down regardless? Beat down regardless. Yeah, I, I can honestly say I don't know. what I'm glad they're playing a team that's dysfunctional and a broken program that's spiraling down the toilet and keeps changing coaches <laughs> left and right. Um, because I think there could be issues coming off of this time off, especially depending who doesn't quite get back to being physically prepared to play a football game at peak performance because of the, of the COVID layoff. Um, I don't know what to expect other than I think the Notre Dame offensive line is going to be out there intact, and that is going to be over 60 minutes, easily the key to this game. Um, so I think you might have not as impressive as South Florida because there's better athletes out there against you. On, on yeah. Defensive athletes, I'm sorry, defensive athletes. And I wouldn't equate it to they're going to be, you know, like it's the first game of the year, like, like no. Duke. I, you started the season, you only had – you know, as far as like actual time away from training and being on the football field, like five days. So other than the positives, other than the positive guys. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's going to be an issue for, for everybody that has, you know, positive tests as you, as you move forward. But I don't, um, yeah, I mean, it's a concern when you don't play for three weeks, certainly, but I don't think it's like the first game of the year, like the, the actual season opener. Bill V six eleven eight. Are we taking Florida State lightly? Wanna jump on that one right away, Pete. Nope. <laughs> they still have a lot of good athletes and may look at this game as a chance to turn things around. I mean, what what did they look at the Miami game as then? Yeah, that's like, the thing. Riddle that, me that. That's the rub. Bill right V six one one eight. 
that's the rub that they had there. I mean, against against a real rival. I mean, you know, yes. Notre Dame's Notre Dame's a big game, but it's not a rival for them. Uh, yeah, where 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 was your head last week when you're down thirty eight three at halftime? When when Miami scored on the first five scored touchdowns on the first five drives of the game? That's ridiculous. How how bad is Jacksonville State? Does anybody know? They were six and six last year. They they only have three games scheduled. This is their first one. Um, so that's all. They're six and they were six and six last year. They're an FCS school. They only have three games scheduled, and this is their first one. All three games are scheduled in October. I wonder they lost the best receiver to the transfer portal as well. So. I wonder. Is that true? <laughs> Kevin Stefferson. Kevin Stefferson. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> oh, I'd be tuning in if he was playing because he'd be running yeah. by guys. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think we're – I mean, Florida State, as Tim said, has two certain NFL talents on defense and at wide receiver. And they've got more – they have more than that. I mean, oh, they, no, they of do. course, but, you it's, know, they're, those guys are, like, legit would come and start at Notre Dame without blinking an eye starters. Yeah. Those are, that's a difference then. Notre Dame, has, Notre Dame has pros too, but these guys would come in and start for Notre Dame's team, as would Tamari and Terry, right away. They need. Uh, they don't need more players. They need more pride in their program. Yeah, that's why I don't, think we're, I don't think we're taking them too lightly. Psycho three eight four eight. When a major story involves Nordic football, i.e., the COVID story, it seems that Kelly and Swarbrick go to national writers instead of the writers who work hard giving us the information we want. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. He's talking about people like you, Samson. Why is it that? <laughs> and does it bother you to the point of raising the issue with the powers that be at, at Notre Dame? Uh, it does seem You've been like on both sides. You've been on both sides of the I, Yeah, I definitely get a little bit more leeway with the athletic. Um, but I, you know, nobody was like, "Hey, you can have Brian Kelly on Tuesday," like Heather Dinich from ESPN. I'm, I'm assuming that's what sort of Psycho Three Eight Four Eight is is getting at. So, yeah, it just does it bother me. I guess a little bit, um, but I'm not at ESPN, and I'm not Pete Thamel, so that's just. I think that's just sort of the world we're living in, right? I think those are two good points. And another point to think about from their perspective is if Irish Illustrated, but not Blue and Gold, or Blue and Gold, but not Irish Illustrated, or The Athletic, but not the South Bend Tribune, gets that story, there's a lot more answering to be done to all those entities. Yeah. Did you complain that ESPN got the story? Because it wasn't exactly a shocking revelation that Heather Dinich gets to talk to Brian Kelly. And Uh, the competitive group of us don't. It Someone was, at Notre Dame apologized to me about it. And, and uh, me as well. And, yeah. And, I mean, it, it was our understanding that it was supposed to be one question and then it led into a full story, which, which I think had a lot to do with why we met with Brian Kelly today. Maybe we would have anyway, but I think that there was some tie in there. Uh, from my perspective, look, I've been doing this 39 years. I chose my path. I mean, do you know, could, I would like to think that somewhere along the 39 years that I've been doing this, that I could have gone to a national publication had I wanted to do that. And that's not what I wanted to do. I do what I do. What I do. And so if I'm third or we're third or fourth in line, uh, I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm content with the way my career has gone. And um, I'm not going to give that a whole lot of thought unless like you said, because Samson's not a direct competitor to us. ESPN is not a direct competitor to us. The outlets that you mentioned are, and that's a different situation. Right, right. <laughs> Kay Beasley, sitting on the sidelines eating cheeseburgers, do you feel better, worse, or indifferent to Notre Dame's playoff chances after watching Oklahoma, LSU, Texas, Georgia, et cetera? 
Uh, my first reaction to this question was that I don't overreact to watching a team play a game. So I, don't, I, you know, I, I didn't tell you this LSU would lose by 50 to LSU last year. So I can oh, overreact. Yeah, yeah they can't. They had 15 guys drafted or signed yeah. or they, there's no way. They lost there's just no game. way they could do it. Oklahoma. Well, hell, Oklahoma can't beat Kansas State. I can remember, where were you when you found out that Oklahoma lost to Kansas State? I was in a driving rainstorm driving to Ann Arbor last year, <laughs> listening to that, listening to the Oklahoma-Kansas State game, and now they've lost to them two in a row. Uh, Texas, that's a, that's a joke. How can you give up? I don't care what conference you're in. They gave up, what, 58? That's a month. That's a month for, for Clark Lee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that that's it's like that's seventh September two twenty twenty. There's no yeah, that's uh, uh, I don't feel any differently about I think Notre Dame can make the playoffs. Uh Oklahoma obviously still has a chance because they lose every year. Once well, every Kansas year. State last year and made it. Right. Yeah. They're gonna lose again though, unlike <laughs> I would agree with you there. I yeah. feel one percent I feel five percent better because uh, I thought Oklahoma would I thought Oklahoma or Texas would be a representative. And now I don't believe they absolutely have to be representative. Uh, Ohio State has re-entered the mix to be a representative, however. Right. And, that's uh, that's the change for me is it's less about o- Oklahoma being right. Yeah, kind of the fringe. LSU being out because they're just not not as good. Uh, Texas being not good enough. I mean, Georgia to me is the ultimate wait and see team. Like with JT Daniels gets cleared, I think our perception of Georgia is going to change a lot. But the big the big development is Ohio State is now in the mix. That's that's a yeah. spot in the ring. Penn, Penn State's in it. Oregon's in it. I yeah. I mean, I, I I'm glad USC's playing football this year because I, I I thought that they were going to. I thought they had a chance to be really really good, uh, provided that they could, they could get past the issues with their head coach and they have a new defensive coordinator. We'll find out. But uh, uh, you know, I mean, Notre Nor- Dame is Notre Dame's in it. But I try not to overreact. The individual games um and it's so early it is just so early we're a month away from the big 10 and the pac-12 starting it's i i just want to i just want to preview Notre Dame and florida state i just want to go back to our podcast in early august where the three of us said, why would the Big Ten cancel now? Just take your time. You know what? Sometimes we're right. <laughs> I want to sp- spend we're more right. time on if Notre Dame doesn't make the playoff, they'll get USC in the Fiesta Bowl. Ooh. I mean, that, that's a tasty bowl game. That would be awesome. Philip Riley would be on the sideline for USC. We didn't even get a chance to talk about that because I'm about to ask the last question of Irish Illustrated Insider, and it's a it's a special guest question from tj 34 nd what the hell was that dastardly meal menu that seemingly initiated the sick fest and sideline spread it would have been better off giving the team uh the press box food of funyuns cheez-its and cool ranch doritos <laughs> all pre-packaged and certainly covid through covid free uh i don't want to talk about special treatment pete but my pre-packaged foods uh over on the right side of the press box were much better than yours so let's what is that right oh yeah oh yeah none none of that junk it was good stuff what did you have over there like a cocoa van and a carving yeah no there was like Like... some ahi tuna and a little bit of it it was good stuff but um (laughs) (laughs) i i I don't know why they had a meal together i don't get it i i don't understand it i don't don't understand it well that's yeah 
I don't understand. Why would you? Why about? would you change protocol? We didn't get into that. Uh, maybe we'll have another opportunity to ask Brian Kelly about that. But why did you change your meal protocol? And we don't know exactly what it was from one to another. Although he's the one that said there was not one time where they had gotten together as a team. And so I, I don't get that. Uh, but it can all work out just fine, and we can watch regular season football to the middle of December now. Yeah, so. you know what? I hope we don't ask Brian Kelly about meal protocols yes, anymore because that means it's right. not a thing. <laughs> you want to know why he went for two against Pittsburgh when they were up six or something like that? Yeah. It's all I'm going to really care about at this point. <laughs> okay, well, the we're chart, gonna, the chart says. Okay, rip that chart up right now. And we're gonna. That's gonna wrap us up today for Irish Illustrated Insider. We appreciate you joining us. We will be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.